You're listening to the Alliance Theatre Podcast, an exploration of theatre and the people who make it happen. Hosted by Ariel Tenter and Ansley Ursery. Welcome to the Alliance Theatre Podcast. My name is Ariel Tenter. And I'm Ansley Ursery. We have Lon Baumgartner here, who is one of our acting instructors at the Alliance. So Lon holds two master of fine arts degrees one in theater production from virginia commonwealth the other in film from university of southern california as well as graduate credits from the prestigious royal shakespeare theater in stratford england his film and commercial credits include the direction and production of independent features as well as numerous shorts and over 60 national and international commercials and industrials all right lon all right lon Thanks so much for being here. I'm Thank you. Enjoying it so far already. <laughs> Excellent. What is because you've had a, an extensive career. You've done a lot of. You've worked in many worlds. Why teach acting? That's an interesting question. Um, it was an accident, actually, to be honest with you. So I started off as an actor, wanted to be an actor, and I have been going through a lot of different universities. I've got two master's degrees, and I uh, also studied in England and all the rest of this stuff. And at one point, I had people who were asking me, I hear you talking all the time. How are you supposed to do this? You know, and I'm not, I wasn't very good at it at the time because I was very young. And when you're very young, you have so many other things that you want. And you're, you know, but as I started to see as I got older, I started to see that if I stepped away from my own acting and saw I could get other people to get there easier. So, that occurred and it's a i'm like i'm condensing decades into a very tiny couple of phrases so lo and behold that's what i had uh, uh, moved toward i had people approaching me and just segued into that being kind of what i did so i mean it's it's controversial i mean i directed i've directed about 125 plays professionally you know i've taught at i was a professor of acting for 12 years uh 12 years a slave and then i was also a teaching at other universities, acting. I have, I started a, um, when I was in Charlotte, I was in Charlotte for a while, I started a studio for actors, professional actors there. It's been going on now for 23 years. When I got to Atlanta, started working at the Alliance, and moved the studio philosophy into the Alliance and also teach there with it. So, uh, and I have, you know, a lot of people that you, you tend to teach. And it just, after a while, some of it's word of mouth. Some of it's the success that you bring to students, and they say, "Wow, where'd you learn that?" Da, 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 you know. <laughs> what do you find the most rewarding thing about teaching? The money. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of money in the arts. There's a lot for, of money for the artists. Oh my gosh! Yes, yes. You know, mm-hmm. I'm picking on that hole in my jeans right now, thinking about <laughs> it. Uh, no, the the idea that I mean, really. It sounds bizarre, but when you turn somebody on a paradigm shift, this terminology of shifting them from one thought to another thought, and you're able to start seeing them not just pick it up, but put it into practice. And it's, I hate the concept that people think, oh, it's guruism or it's disciples. But no, no, it's just the idea of seeing somebody suddenly go into an aha moment and then their work gets really excellent. You know, the work. I'm fine with the people who I've taught who have roles in movies and plays and TV shows. And yay, I'm glad they need to be making, you know, that. But I'm more interested in when I see the work and it's in class even and it just moves to that place. 
seen real magic, I feel like. Yeah. Mm. Or real truth. Real yeah. truth, which yeah. I feel like one and the same in yeah. a lot of ways. What is the benefit of, because a lot of our students who take acting classes are not actors. Yeah. What, what is the benefit for, for people who aren't looking to pursue this? Well, it's funny because it makes them better audiences and it makes them more interesting. I think they find that they're not just allowing themselves to entertain I mean, isn't the point of any class you have to learn something, right? Yeah. So this is part of the reason why when we're teaching, like, for example, a first level, then we teach a second level, we teach a third level, we start to realize that people, as they start moving into a, a little higher level, they're making a bit of a commitment to understanding more. So most of the stuff I teach, even though I do teach first level and second level and stuff, and I love it, they're just great, um, uh, that the, most of the stuff I teach is going putting them into a place where I feel like they've already moved into a certain area of commitment to themselves as an actor. Um, but I do teach, you know, people. And I've also noticed this is sort of funny that people have come up to me and said, you know, I, your course actually helped me in my job. It helped me understand what to do in my job. And it helped me understand what to do. And I do consulting work sometimes, so it's part of that as well, you know. Help me understand a little bit about what um how i should be communicating to this person or then i was watching this play or watching a movie the other day and somebody came to me and said you've ruined movies for me (laughs) (laughs) i can't watch movies anymore because i know what they're doing (laughs) yeah i love that i love that we at the alliance theater encourage people from all walks of life to come and learn something new and to hopefully you know come out a, a having some techniques to deal with their life or deal with their circumstances or just have fun. Yeah. You know, well. Chris Moses, the socio-artistic director, he talks about curiosity. He yeah. likes the idea of curiosity. And I love that. I love that. The idea that you have people who are curious. In fact, I, this last two weeks I did that. I know if you know that they have these, I know you know this, they have these sort of free classes every so often they offer to the public for nothing. And so, and I'm, I just love those classes because these are sometimes the hungriest people for knowledge that you've ever they walk in and they, they're like well I just wanted to see what it is and then the sponge comes up and everything every question every intelligent we can imagine and they're just there because they've just wanted to just see what it's like you know that's it, it, it there's no cynicism there's no sense of I've got you know I've got 15 minutes to get this and then I have to do an audition get an agent you know it's just heart Right. I love that. Like little little judgment involved. Oh, of yeah. No judgment of the self and of yeah. the time you're spending And there shouldn't there and... be anyway. Yeah. I agree with that. You know? We just finished level two acting. Mm. We did. We begin level three tonight. Mm. What should we expect? Yes, Mr. you are You are instructor. our instructor. Well, I was going to say, you're going to have a very beautiful man instructing you, <laughs> but you kind of blew that out of the water. Because <laughs> you can look and see that it's not necessarily our listeners can look and see there you go Mm, uh imagine brad pitt and (laughs) that's not me uh you just won an oscar i did it was i was it's been a while i've been looking forward to it you know so um i am a uh, i don't know what you want to call it uh, for lack of a better word a professor not a professor but a professor of a thing called authentic acting and um i don't believe there's any difference between stage and film acting first place there you don't go up and have a dog that wanders on stage in a play and it does something and then they do the movie of that play 
and they, you'll hear all this, by the way, tonight when you guys are in class. And they do the movie of this play, and then the dogs in the movie, you don't hear the film director going, okay, this isn't stage anymore. Let's take it down a little bit. Or vice versa, and have a theater director go, I need more. Come on, come on. This is the theater. This isn't a film. Authenticity is the struggle to get to a place where people don't see the acting and you don't feel the acting. That it becomes behavioral. So there's lots of different components to that, which is going to possibly blow your minds or cause controversy when we get to it. And it's very detailed, but uh, it's where I think the strongest acting takes place. The idea of acting is, you know, doing with intention. So we, we start stripping away from all of that. Isn't the outlying of doing with intention, the whole point is to get some sort of, of emotional benefit from it, right? For the audience to be able to see it, for the actor to be able to have it. Now here's a question for you. How can you get an authentic emotional experience by going after what the writer has written? How can you have an authentic emotional experience? If you don't like mushrooms and you have to go do a commercial where you go, mm, I love mushrooms, aren't you going to be faking that? So is that acting or is it pretending? And if you cross that line and say, well, that's pretending, then you're on the other side where you have to go after authenticity. So you can't go after what a character wants. Uh, a guy named Robert Lewis, who taught Meryl Streep at Yale and also was one of the members of the group theater, great acting teacher, he said something to the extent that it's like 96, 97% of the time you're going to be saying lines that you don't really even believe in. The point is, is that you don't have to try to find ways to believe in them because that's not acting. That idea that Sanford Meisner said about creating truth out of imaginary circumstances. I used to work at a mental institution at doing theater therapy. And again, I want to stress the word, I worked there. I was not an inmate <laughs> there. I worked there. <laughs> Even though there were some people who would beg to differ. Um, and at that point, I think the idea of trying to find truth through imaginary circumstances qualifies for you know admittance into that club. And it's also just ridiculous because you're going to be faking it sooner or later. You're going to be coming up against faking it. Why? Why? So through my travels and the works that I've done, I've looked at the idea of instead of being in harmony with what the script is asking the, and I'm putting air quotes again, character to do, to be in dissonance from it. Interesting. Oh, I yeah, like you say that, that now, but <laughs> I also see them going on their phones right now and dropping the class they're supposed to be taking <laughs> That's to them. That's not true. We, I, no. It's okay. We've got your money. <laughs> <laughs> right now, uh, um, my current truth mm -hmm. is that just like our own lives, we all die, too. Yes. You know, it's no surprise. Like, we know it's coming. We don't know when. And so when I think about being moment experiencers and kind of just making choices and setting intentions in our own lives. I feel like there is a way my hope, my naive hope as a young millennial is that there is a way to create your life as a work of art in the same way that theater and acting. To an extent, I agree with you. And I think that life itself though becomes the filter from which all of this gets to pass through. It's the reason why, that's yeah, it's that's the wise. reason why 500 years we've had Hamlets. Mm -hmm. And I doubt you can find two exact Hamlets to, for one thing, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you know, your life is your palette. The strategies, that's where we start to get into the fun stuff. Because we adopt, to get through life, a certain number of ways to get what we want. 
And that's what people refer to as behavior, or the audience refers to, in air quotes again, as character. However, if you're going to play the same set of strategies over and over again, you get to be a very predictable actor. So what you tend to do is find different ways that people have manipulated each other to achieve what they've wanted. Or if you're going to do research on a historical basis, or if you're playing somebody who's different from your culture, or from your age, or from any of these other things, you start to research that and adopt those strategies. Like there's that old thing that Meryl Streep supposedly did not learn a Polish accent for Sophie's Choice. She learned Polish so that she could translate English just like Sophie would as she was saying it. That's beautiful. Yeah, isn't it though? I like that. I think one thing that I really liked is how you are talking about the paradigm shift is when you're in these characters. You're putting air quotes. Those are air quotes, guys. (laughs) (laughs) When you consider, when you do kind of shift the way that you're approaching um, a moment even, you can take that in your own life and kind of look at it like, why uh, why am I approaching this interaction this way? There you go. Mm -hmm. There's your palette. Empathy. Mm Mm-hmm expansion there's your beautiful palette there's the palette of your life you know some people say that you know life feeds art i also think an art feeds life it's a circle mm-hmm. you yeah. know it re- it's a circle reflects one another i remember one of the things i teach actors is about how when you study acting it's about the removal of things not the the actual addition that we are mostly taught acting by watching it uh you you have watched more acting today than my great-grandfather saw in his lifetime. And we know this. I know my great-grandfather saw a, a, a play and one movie. So he saw two things in his lifetime. You could drive down 75 and look in the back of people's headrests and see acting going on. I mean, it's everywhere, right? I have a phone right here, plop, I'm seeing acting, okay? So we are taught by that perspective. It's like watching a magic trick, being taught by sitting there, seeing the magic trick. Then you go sit in the wings and you see the trapdoor and the smoke and all the mirrors and all the rest of that stuff. And that's a different perspective of it. Actors have to be able to chop away the perspective of, to be more successful of their looking at it from an audience's viewpoint than looking at it from the stagehand's viewpoint. They got to go to the stagehand's viewpoint and sort of recognize how to make the illusion of, here's air quotes, character, <laughs> not think that they can get into a character. I mean, that really is the the bottom line of all of this, you know? So Michelangelo was doing the David, and he put this huge statue, uh, this is what I heard, marble uh, right there in the square of Florence. I built a fence around it so that nobody could come in, nobody could see it. He had mental problems too, by the way, schizophrenic maybe, borderline personality, nobody knows really what it was. So uh, he was chopping on it for a while, and the, the Medici's, the people who funded the banking family, they came up and they said, you know, they said the one thing that every artist will respond to, which is I'm cutting your funding if you don't let me look at it. <laughs> so they, they allowed him in there. They let him look at the, uh, the face and the arm, and they were gobsmacked. They were just boggled. And one of them turned to him and said, um, how are you making such a beautiful statue? And he said, and this is what I love, I'm just cutting away all the stone that isn't it. And I think that's kind of the big issue when it comes to at least the art of acting, that we need to cut away all the stone that isn't it. I believe that everybody, minus the fact of them having some sense of emotional 
or mental uh, disruption in their lives, but everybody has the capacity to be an absolutely brilliant actor if they can make the dedication and time and openness to cut away all the stone that isn't it. I really do. I, I believe that wholeheartedly. I think, once again, I, I'm, I'm in this headspace. It's another metaphor for a lot of yeah. who we are as human beings and yes. human experience. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think uh, this speaks to the next question I have for you is for the professional actors or people who want to be professional actors, um, what would be your recommendation in terms of what they need to achieve or what tools do they need to have in their arsenal to be successful. So I developed the idea that acting should be thought of in two different ways. One is the art and the other one is the marketing. Or the if you really want to get business oriented, product and marketing, okay? So you that's the first thing I think any actor should do is cleave themselves. I mean, they already talk about agency, whether it's an agent, but giving themselves agency. And we know that the tools of such things as, you know, headshots and reels and going on actors access and getting an account and that stuff comes pretty um, uh, quickly when you start to talk to other actors or get into a class. You start to understand what that is. And I actually have business of acting classes that I, I teach a ton. So starting to understand the business that you're in. But that's marketing stuff. I mean, I think about the idea of, of hamburgers. You know, There are people who cook and develop the tastes of these fast food hamburgers. And then there are people who make the commercials and the advertising agent marketing to get you to buy the hamburgers. An actor needs to be both of those, but not at the same time. Because that's when you start to disrupt the process of having an excellent product slash art because you think I have to feed into the marketing. Can I tell you the number of times I have have had actors show me their headshot and it has a white rim around it. And they said, some casting director says that white rims are out now. So I guess I have to get a new headshot. I'm like, do you really think that they're not going to cast you because you have a f- white frame around your picture? No, I know what it is. They're just maximizing their options. They don't want to not blend in and be called out. But anybody who's going to call you out from that is not looking at the product. You know, they're looking at the wrapping paper. And I don't know you, but anytime you've got a birthday present or something, how quick is that wrapping paper staying on that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah drop the mic. That's, <laughs> that's, I was, so true. thanks millennial. <laughs> well, that's what I, I, you know, it's interesting because I was wondering like how, if your product is to learn authenticity, yes. how do you put yourself out there authentically and in a way that isn't totally contradicting the product. And so it's nice to hear. So you would say a balance of time yes, as a resource. That's a probably. great way of putting it. Exactly. And separating yourself and understanding that your business and your product need to be nurtured in two different ways with two different sets of tools. And rarely do they blend. I mean, I keep telling people, trying to find an actor in an audition is like looking for an architect at a swim meet. I don't understand why we have, <laughs> I don't know why we have auditions, period. They don't, to me, as directing, I got to the point that I was learning nothing during somebody doing a monologue other than, oh, this is how well you can fake it. 
So what I did is that I took them and I would have lunch with them and then I would ask them to work up perhaps a scene with somebody and then give them a little direction during the scene and I would know how to work with them and what their goals are and what language they use. But just watching somebody come in and do a monologue, what is that telling me? You know, what is that saying to they me? They can memorize something. They can memorize, yeah. yes. Mm -hmm. What What's your favorite thing that you have seen recently? And it can be a theater production. It can be a TV show, a movie. What's something that has stopped you in, in your tracks? And I want to ask if you were able to watch film and TV and um, theater with a non-critical eye, <laughs> being a, a former theater critic and, you know. Film critic. Film critic, excuse me. No, theater and film. It was both of them. Both. I had, a, I had, a, yeah, they spoiled me on both of them. <laughs> you know? That's amazing. Yeah. Blown away by Marriage Story and Little Women. Um, I found the, and it's funny, at the time even, I did not realize that Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach, who were the directors of those, were together and had a child together and such things as that. So it was just so interesting to see this voice is these voices that are going toward authenticity and moving these actors toward authentic, you know, authentic moments are just boggled away. I teach film history at Georgia State, and I just showed my students also an old movie. I just love this movie called Searching for Bobby Fisher, which is very, it's not a documentary about Bobby Fisher, but it, there's the performances in this, uh, and especially of the little child who plays Josh Waitzkin, and it's just one of those moments of just, oh, you just feel everything this person is doing. You know, and the answer is yes, but no, when it comes to shutting off that part of myself, I'm a hard sell when it comes to this. So if there is something that just starts to, like I was watching this movie R.I.P.D. on, <laughs> I, I, I do watch, you know, I, the equivalent of McDonald's. I was watching <laughs> this um, and the special effects in this is just you know, not up to par. They just aren't. And it, it took me about two minutes to just sort of go, okay, I know where I am here and I'm going to turn off the judgment, you know, and just uh, get on my computer and play Pong while I'm watching. <laughs> this has no impact to me whatsoever, right? But you'd be surprised at how much special effects and visual effects happen that go unnoticed in us, like the background of a, of a you know, of a non-science fiction drama you know that they add the backgrounds to and having being in the industry for a while I, I can not you know I can spot that but it allows me to turn it off so you know there's that other thing that they used to say I think it's an in, in, in inherit the wind that if you're if you're going to get the idea that you can fly then you're going to have to put up with the concept that the air is going to smell of gasoline if your women are going to want to vote then they can't hide behind their crinolines you know and their petticoats anymore there's a give and take so yeah, I've had to kind of give up a little bit of that nuanced, you know, I innocent embracement of art a little bit. Yeah. So you're not shut off from all art or anything oh, of that no. nature. Yeah. When we go on vacation, like we were very lucky to go to Spain this last year. First thing we did is get tickets to the Prado, you know, first thing we did. Um, their ballet, opera, Stanislavski wrote a wonderful book called My Life in Art, and it's true, you know, anybody, we all get to choose what part of art we're going to be part of, whether it's being a, a participant, a patron, you know, a funder, uh, something along the lines, but I, I, I just, I'm one of those people that believe art can save the world. Art is the only thing that's eternal 
in our lives. In our lives, that's it. Let's talk about acting classes at the Alliance Theater. Last season, the Alliance Theater welcomed uh, 1,500 children and teenagers and 2,500 adults to one of our acting classes. And we offer classes in a wide variety of topics from acting to acting on camera, voiceover work, writing camps and classes, and audition techniques. And most of the adults who attend one of our classes come to us because they're interested in um, maybe they've, they've retired and they want to, you know, meet other like-minded people. Some of them want to try a new skill that they've never tried before and they're like, the time is now. And we also offer classes for industry professionals as well. So uh, maybe you're a professional actor and you've always wanted to try your hand at playwriting. We have a class for that. Um, or you just decide, you know, maybe I need some more work in voiceover. We have a class for you. And the same is true for our classes for uh, children. We offer children's classes from newborns all the way through the 12th grade. Um, one of our newest classes that we offer is Babies Off Book, which is baby storytelling for caregivers and their little ones to come join us on Thursdays. One of our uh, teaching artists reads a story and it's very interactive and developmental, uh, age appropriate and developmentally uh, appropriate as well. Um, we also offer classes, like I said, for, for our very little ones and families through uh, family storytelling. And then as the children age, there's camera camp, writing camp, musical theater, improv. Um, really, if you have an interest, we probably have a camp for you. And they're all taught by industry professionals, so you're getting the latest techniques and best training from folks right here in Atlanta, who you often will see on our stages or some of the theater stages across the city. You've been listening to the Alliance Theater Podcast. For updates and new episodes, visit us at alliancetheater.org slash podcast. Have a question, comment, or an idea for a future episode? email us at podcast at alliancetheater.org.